All right, welcome to this week's episode of the Mud Brothers Podcast. Um, yours truly, Doc Obstacle Dave Claxton, and unfortunately this week I'm without Rico Moore. Rico had a case of life getting in the way and was unable to participate this week. But luckily, I've got a backup. I've got my boy Tom here, and he's going to help me along. He's going to give us a bit of a review of the West Virginia Spartan uh, Spartan trifecta and let us know just how nasty that bad boy was. So, um, Tom... How are you now, buddy? Uh, not too bad. You know, just uh, slowly recovering from the race. Uh, doing three races in the weekend is going to be uh, pretty difficult. But, you know, you get done, you power through, and you keep on going. Absolutely. So the first thing, and this is uh, probably the most important question, is how in the world do you say your last name? Uh, Ribzik. Ribzik. There's a lot <laughs> yeah. of Ys and Zs. I'm not sure there's actually a vowel in there. I, I don't think it counts. Uh, it's... it's it's supposed to be sometimes why, but it doesn't follow the normal rules, so... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think they just made that rule up after they realized they screwed up by not putting enough vowels in their rules. <laughs> so, I'm just going to go through a bit how Tom and I met. Now, Tom and I met out at Shale Hill for the 24. We were both foolish enough to randomly sign up for the Mandatory Obstacle Challenge, and I don't think either one of us were truly aware of what we were getting into. But, um... No. Yeah, I believe uh, I had a great experience, Tom. Why don't you tell me a little bit about how how it went for you? Yeah, absolutely. You, you definitely hit the nail on the head when we uh, signed up for the obstacle course doing mandatory obstacles with Felicia. I'm like, oh, what the heck, you know? I just sign up for it. We'll get it done. Yeah, it ended up being a little, just a little harder than expected. I mean, after the first third of the first lap, my body was just absolutely destroyed. My hands absolutely was ripped apart, but it was it was a great race. It really was. So those ones definitely I'll, I'll remember for the rest of my life. And, and tell me from there, like, uh, I had my favorites, but what what for you was a was a favorite obstacle from there? The favorite obstacle is actually the one I failed at, believe it or not, because it was the first obstacle I've ever failed in my OCR career. At least I've hit and completed every single obstacle I've re-encountered, but the Destroyer, I don't know, man. That, that thing just tore me up. I was there for probably an hour and a half and my hands got rugged, and my grip went, and it was just, you know, you respect the things that beat you down, so I think that was my favorite. Uh, I don't blame you one bit, man. Like, you and I arrived at that obstacle together, and I think I, it took me three three or four tries to get by it there at, when I first got there, and it, it, it's something else. It's definitely a, an obstacle, and I can I can see how, how it would take anybody out. But... You you know you to me you showed a ton of heart and you kept gritting it and you went for it and you went for it and that's that's what mandatory obstacle completion is about in my mind is is not so much getting it done the first time but having the will to keep pushing and pushing and push yourself to the limits and if you got it you got it and if you don't you don't some days you just got to say it's not my day but oh, absolutely but all in all it's a I think it's a sad thing that Shale Hill's going by and uh, you know it's too bad because I thought that was a great race I wish wish I had known about it sooner and I wish more people had participated. And I'm hoping somebody picks up the torch and takes what the envisioned future of that of that place and that location was and brings it somewhere else. Because it's one of those places where once you've experienced it, you're like, wow, I wish I could do this every single weekend to get my get my skills up, get my, my running down, um, get my mind set. Because it was one of those things where it definitely tears you down. But it, it does it on your time. So if you're not ready to keep on going, you can stop. So it's one of those places that was truly special to me to actually do that course. Oh, yeah. I was so happy that I got in there on the last minute and, and had no idea of the situation that it was closing down or that it even really existed and then last minute got in there. 
luckiest break. It was a fantastic experience. And if anybody who's ever listens picks up Shale Hill or grabs it, hey, advertise because I think that was probably the Achilles heel of that place is people just didn't know. Absolutely. All right, so enough reminiscing about that. Spartan trifecta, man, and that was a big, big bad boy. What, what was the elevation gain on that? Do you know? Um, I thought I keep on hearing around forty four hundred feet for the for the total beast race. Um, and if you look at the maps, it looks pretty pretty close to it when you look at people's elevation maps. So I mean, it was definitely a grueling race. Um, it's one of those things where they I ran it last year and this year they upped their game just just a little bit. They zigzagged zagged us around mountains, back up and down. And really just push, like, that elevation gain. And the obstacles were, yeah, they were okay. But, I mean, that, the elevation changes were the, what, what really, like, stood out for this race for myself. Um, most of the other Spartan races that I've ever done. So, you, so it is, and for those of you who don't know, and if you don't know, I'm kind of surprised you're listening to this because you probably should. Spartan trifecta, three races, three days. You can actually spread your trifecta out over the year. But if you want to do it really, you want to do the sprint, the beast, and the super all in three days, which... Our boy Tom here did pull off. So tell me, what order did they run them in? Um, in most cases, they run the beast on a Saturday, and they'll do the super early in the morning and the sprint later in the day. Um, and usually what they'll do is they'll keep the divisions pretty reasonable. So for people who have done Spartan racing, they'll keep the elites in the morning, then age bracket, then open. And for the trifecta weekend, they'll do the same thing, except this one was a pro series. So the pro elites early a.m., pro women, age bracket then um elites non-pro later in the evening then open on saturday and sunday they kept to pros in the morning like they standardly do age bracket then open for the super then they only had age bracket and open for the for the uh for the sprint of course later in the afternoon probably mostly because of time constraints and those types of things okay so what was the first race you ran um i ran the beast race and i actually ran the the non-pro beast race because I just didn't have the time to actually qualify for the pro. And honestly, I don't even know if I could even keep up with those guys because the <laughs> course was just stacked. And I mean, you had the big names, name guys there, and they just absolutely destroyed that course. Yeah, I don't care about the big name guys. The big name guys are no fun. They've <laughs> lost interest. They're just out for you know. I, I find the regular athletes are more entertaining. They really care more. I mean, guys like yourself yeah. and, and, and myself, we're out there giving it. We, we are just giving it, not because we're making money, not because it's a career, not because of anything like that, but just because we want to be there. We're paying to be there and taking time off from work, doing what we can. So you started out with the Beast. How did, how did the race, like, run run through the course for me. How, how did it go? So the course itself, I mean, for those individuals not aware about the way West Virginia looks like, it's really gradual, mountainous hills that are there. This is on actually a beautiful Boy Scout reservation, so the Summit Bechtel Reservation in uh, West Virginia. And what they did was they started you off on a, like a nice steady incline on these, on what we call the beast loop. So it's only in the beast race. You went across this beautiful bridge on the Boy Scout camp, opens up to like beautiful skies and they start hammering you with walls and stuff you have to jump over and trying to get your, get your heart rate all messed up while you're running. And then they throw in this nice steady incline to the top of the first mountain in the beast side which just absolutely destroys your, your calves, your your quads, those things where you don't really expect to, to really keep get those things right and ready for the race. And you reach the top of the peak, and then you can open up and start running straight downhill. So now for the beast itself, 
they really like to, to throw things at you when in the beginning of the race. So what they do is they they try to rip apart your legs at the very at the very start, so that the rest of the race it's just pure grit to get through the rest of the course. So when you did the climb, the initial, so did they start out with an, with a, a huge climb right off the start, like a lot of the races do? This one, not so much. So it's definitely not like a Killington race, like Killington, Vermont. These were steady inclines, but they went on forever. So these are the ones where, where it's just pure grit. If you think you're done with the inclines, you keep on looking straight up, you got to keep on going. And it's probably about like a 10% grade. But when you're doing 10% grade over five miles, it just gets to your legs. It really does. So, so like you said, it wouldn't be like a Killington or like when we were at uh, Noram where the climb was pretty... Pretty quick, yeah. Like, pretty straight up, was, right that, off the bat. That, that was a grueling hike. This one, that was just straight, you know, tooth and nail, straight up. Th- these ones are nice and gradual, but honestly, they're long. <laughs> oh yeah, no doubt. But you, so you could, you could maybe like, you could definitely see the elite athletes might get a bit of more of a could actually run a bit of this one more on their climb. Yeah, the good thing about the course that for this particular one is that the the trails themselves weren't as as many like roots to catch your ankles or a lot of loose rocks and those types of things. So for people with, with um, ankle stability issues, this would be a good race to run. It's just one of those things where if you're not working on your legs and working that, on that, that elevation gain, um, you're going to have a rough time with this kind of race. Okay, so you said early on they hit you with a lot of walls. What were, uh, at what point did they start to bring in the carries? How far into it do you think you'd get into the carries? With the carries themselves? Um, pretty reasonably close. I mean, we, we had... Um, the cargo lift climb, which wasn't too bad, but then they threw the farmer's carries in right after that. And the farmer's carries were straight logs with chains around them, so you, could, you had to grab onto chains. So chains tend to tear up your hands a little bit, but um, the, the carries probably were about maybe 60 or 75 pounds a piece. So you just had to carry them up, go around the flag, come back down and drop them, um, and then keep on going down the, down the race itself. And then they threw a barbed wire crawl in there, and then the atlas carry itself. So one of those things where you have to carry that gigantic stone across the course of a field, do five burpees, and carry it back. So they try to throw in some of those things where it just spikes your heart rate quite a bit right after you start running the course itself. And did uh, did they have uh, was it was were the carries uphill at all? Like how long did they go? Were they like a, a half a mile, a quarter mile? How how long were you were you actually carrying? Say the the farmer carry for the short. And these ones were not very heavy. But what they did was they, they made sure that when you're doing the carries themselves, that you had um, good stability in your, in your body. You're probably only going about, say, 20 yards forward and then 20 yards back, which is not terribly long. Uh, but it's more about breaking you up during the middle of these longer, flatter runs. And I think that's why they threw them in, in the areas that they did in the race itself. Uh, I assume for this they had, would have their full complement of obstacles too. So you had like you had your twister, you had everything like that. Yeah, they actually threw in the twister, which was a little bit shorter than a standard um, Spartan twister. But what they did they said was they put in two different types. So they did, they did the standard twister, which is just the twister bars with the handles, and you went across maybe about two rigs length. Yep. In the standard one is a two and a half to three. But they also threw in the monkey bars, twister monkey bars obstacle. So you had monkey bars first, then you had the transition to the tw- uh, segment of twister, and then transitioned back to the monkey bars, which really threw a lot of people through a loop. No, I, I, th- I think I saw a video of that, and I was getting at that. So how did you, 
was it by different division that chose which one you run, or did you just get to make the choice nope. yourself? If you ran the Beast, you had to run both. So you did the Twister on the, on the Beast-only course, then you loop back through, and, and part of the, the sprint and the super, you had to also do the Monkey Bar Twister Monkey Bar. So even the Beast, you had to do that one later in the race. So essentially, so you, finished, you had to do two Twisters, essentially, throughout the race. Yep. Nice. That's good. See, that's it, to be honest, that's my favorite Spartan obstacle. <laughs> it's, I find I find Spartans. I know you got you got some good grip, my friend. Yeah. Well, I, f- I find Spartans a little low on the obstacle. I'll, like I'll be flat out, Spartan is not my race of choice because they are more orientated to the runners, to the speed, and I'm just too short and stocky for that. I need those obstacles and the power climbs. I do like the the carries for Spartan. That helps me out. But the uh, the the lack of the lack of technical obstacles gets me sometimes, especially up here. We don't get the good ones like you guys do down there. And in this, in this one Spartan race, it's very similar. They did throw in a couple extra, but it was the standard package of, of obstacles that they had. Um, and the only other the only addition that not many of the other races had was the Yokohama tire flip. Mm-hmm. Um, that was an addition to the race as well, which was in all three portions of of the trifecta weekend. And that's doing a deadlift, basically a 400-pound tire to flip up twice um, to complete the course. And people burpeed out on that all the time. Well, I know I've seen uh, Ryan Woods is famous for that, for running up, giving it a little touch, and nope, and go doing his burpees and carrying yeah. on. Yep. Which I do not like. I think that should be that should be outlawed somehow. There's got to be something to be done about that. Did Now, did you manage to get the tire flip? Oh, absolutely. I'm... I'm a stubborn racer, so you know I was just making sure I can get my fingers underneath there. Once I got my fingers, that's all it took. Oh, so, awesome! I might, I might be tiny, man, but you know I can lift some heavy <laughs> stuff. Well, I'm glad <laughs> I'm glad to hear that because I've I've never had a chance to do this 400 pound Yokohama tire flip. When they come to Canada, they don't seem to bring their full assortment of obstacles. Like we don't get twister, we don't get that big tire flip. We get we really get wow. ripped off. And uh, yeah, I know, man. Those those are the ones that when I see them, like. Like, oh, I got to do that, but it's like, wow, I haven't done that in a while. It's going to be pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. So the the Beast, how long was the Beast? Was it Is it 23 miles, is it? No, the Beast itself is actually shorter. It's uh, The Beast is only, I think this one was only 14 and a half miles. Oh, okay, that's um, not too bad. Oh, they, they tend not to be too much farther than 17 if you're going to do a Beast anywhere. Uh, but 14 and a half was, was like the right right number for the entire race. You know what happened there? I got my metric confu- metric conversion confused. It's like 23 kilometers is what it is up there. <laughs> That's why I was thinking 23 miles. So it's like 23K for the beast that I did here last year. And I was wondering if I should put a metric conversion for myself since I'm talking to you. So. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Um, so how did, how was you, overall you, you completed the beast, you got that done. Um, yeah. And then, you know, you got to throw it at how many burpees? Uh, 60, actually. So oh. I only failed two obstacles. Okay, so what nailed you? Uh, the Olympus and the last rig, because it had the um, the ropes. There was a two rings, two ropes, and then it was ring and bar. And my, you know my hand strength since, since uh, Shell mm-hmm. Hill. I just can't hang with a rope, so I failed that um, going through the first time. But Now, did they, have, did they have the knots on the end of the ropes, at least? They did. They did. I think that's a bigger problem for my because it squeezes all my fingers together and yeah. it causes that that issue with my hands so that that can that can be like that especially if it's a very thin rope right? yeah you, you can get yeah, but you know you, you push through it you get your burpees you bang out your burpees and you run across the finish line so well i do know though with olympus i know you're capable of olympus i've seen your skill level did was it was it a case like was it wet was it muddy how was the weather affecting that weekend 
Yeah, for Saturday it was great, but the problem was it's right after the rolling mud, so yeah. people were still just drenched in mud with their shoes and their hands and everything else. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that was done running. on purpose. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it was. I mean, they, they threw in the, the bucket. They threw in first. It was the uh, probably within a quarter or three quarters of a mile. They threw in the tire flip, the bucket carry, rolling mud just to get you dirty and wet. The Olympus, the, the A-frame, the rig, then the fire jump. And it was all in that short period of, of time. So, I mean, it wasn't it was a lot of, like, hand and, like, you need to get stability obstacles to the end of the race itself. So they, they threw that gauntlet at you right at the end, eh? Absolutely. Now, when you did the Olympus, did you go with the chains? Did you go with the rock climbing holds or the holes? Well, the first race in the Beast, I actually went through the holes to start. So I got about halfway through before my... My feet slipped out, and since I'm tall enough, mm-hmm. my toes just touched the ground. Ah, uh, yeah. The second time I went through it in the, on the Super, I tried with the handholds and the rock climbing grips, and I lost it with my right hand with the, with the, hand, with the handholds. I just, it was too slick. And the weather was a little different on Sunday than it was Saturday. It was a little bit more wet, a little bit more cold. And then the uh, sprint, I tried getting through it, but I was exhausted by then. <laughs> I grabbed a little bit of chain, a little bit of hole, a little bit of rock grip, and it just didn't, wasn't happening. <laughs> yeah, well, that's too bad. Like you say, you burp a yoke, you get it done. I'm, I'm a personal fan of the chains on that one. I always seem to use the chains. I've thought about changing it, but every time I've never had an issue, even when it's wet. And I just, I think it partly, again, as you know, I wear gloves all the time. And uh, I think I think the chains, maybe with the bare skin, sometimes it's harder. Maybe it pinches people's hands. Maybe it makes it a little slick. But with the gloves, I always seem to get across with no problem with the chains and the... And Don't change it if it's working good for you, my exactly. friend. Exactly. You know, I'm, I'm sure it's I'm sure it's the gloves because I took off the gloves uh, when I got to the Olympus because again I was trying to work on the the handhold stuff and I probably should just gone for the change myself with it with it with the gloves. All right, so that that got you through the beast. Then what was your next run? Was the super the next one? Yeah, the super was at seven thirty in the morning, so I ran the elite super um, early a.m. Out of boy. So. Now, the, the only change with that was the, the beginning of the race was about the same, so you did a nice gradual run with very, like, short incline, but then you looped back through and cut off basically seven miles of the beast course, and then you crossed back over the festival area, and then you did this, the super course, which was that, like, heavy inclines at the peak of the mountain back down, then you did the sprint course. So, and I think that ended up being, like, nine and a half to ten miles. Um, in total for total mileage. Now, what obstacles did they cut out for the super? Like, what did you lose? Uh, they th- they actually took out the eight foot wall, the twister, Atlas carry, one of the barbed wire crawls, farmers carry, and the, the cargo um, cliff climb. Um, but that's the only things they really took out of there. And oh, and swim too. They took out the swim. Oh, they had a swim. I didn't know you yeah, didn't was... mention they had a swim in the beast there. Yeah, this one I actually. Apologies for not mentioning that. It was actually on the top of the near the top of the beast loop. So you had to you had to actually go across like this little pond area. So you actually had to have a life vest uh, when you're going in the water because it wasn't um, deep or it was too deep for you to actually stand up in. So you actually had to swim across this entire area and back through. And so, they ma- so they made you put on the life vest. The, yeah, it was it was just mandatory. Yeah. See, the only one I've gotten into where I've had a swim was uh, last year at World's Toughest Mudder and. It was a swim, but they had guys in kayaks and everything. And, and, and I mean, some people could touch all the way down. I myself could not. I'm too short. But 
Some people could, and they didn't make us wear life vests. They just you just went across was was no big deal. But it was very well manned as far as safety precautions yeah. were taken care of. Um, how yeah, long do you one, figure this, this one, one didn't have too many? They had like five or six lifeguards or two stationed on the on the shore. So I mean, they had enough. But I mean, you're talking about a couple thousand people coming through there. So yeah, um, that's probably why life vests were more mandatory. And roughly, how long did the swim take? Eh, it wasn't too long. Too long, you know, five minutes max. Oh yeah. Now so, did, I don't. Go ahead, man. I'm a I'm a reasonably strong swinger swimmer, so I mean, I was cruising past people just doing the side stroke. So even with the vest on, it was more just a, a cumbersome vest for me because mm-hmm. I swim better without it. But now, did they have did they have a bypass option to do burpees or anything like that, or it was you're doing it or you're not going through? This one wasn't mandatory, so they did have a burpee option for this one. I mean, you got some people with with phobias of, of swimming, so. Um, a lot of these types of obstacles you can actually bypass in Spartan Racing and Championship Series. So, I just hope that, that the bypass took more time, though, because, you know, I, when they start yeah. to get creative with the water obstacles, I actually think it's a good idea. You know, it's it's adding a new element, but my pet peeve about some of these is places that do uh, penalty laps or penalty loops or whatever the case may be if an obstacle can't be done is half the time you're faster to do the penalty loops, i.e., like we said with Ryan Woods, he's better off to just do his 30 burpees than he is to try to flip that tire twice. Um, yeah. And you do see an awful lot of that. I mean, it's, it's a little disappointing when you when you see some of the some of the individuals burpeeing out knowing that they can complete the obstacle, but they just do it because it's a shorter time frame just to hang out 30 burpees. And it's one of those things where if you have the capability of doing it, you should be doing it. Yeah, we had at World's Toughest Mudder last year, to reference that again, there was Kong Infinity. It was the debut of Kong Infinity. And I went through it and got through it every time. And it was shortly after, maybe, I think it was probably my third time through it. And someone said, you're actually faster to skip it and do the penalty loop than you are to do the obstacle. And they were right. And that was, from my understanding, that was the only technically failure Ryan Atkins had the whole time was before they fixed it. He just skipped it the one time and did the penalty loop because it was faster. And But to Tough Mudder's credit, at about midnight, they added about a quarter mile to the penalty loop. Oh, wow. So they said, <laughs> none of this anymore, and, and that was good. So I was glad to see they fixed it, but that, that's always a pet peeve. I think when the penalty loops should be penalties. You know, yep. they should be hardcore. So the Super, how were you feeling by the time you finished up the Super? Uh, super, it actually allowed me to, to loosen up my legs after the beast from the prior day. So starting the, the race, like when you're doing a multi-race weekend, it, my legs were really tight. Uh, took it easy on the first couple loops, and when I reached the mountain climb, um, my legs actually started feeling a lot better. No issues with cramping, no issues with with loss of energy, and it, it just it felt great. I mean, I was able to open up down in the downhills. Ankles weren't tight or sore, so it's one of those things where I tell people sometimes the first race, as much as as much as people are like, oh, you're doing a second one the next day. The second race is usually the best for me because uh, my whole body just loosens up, and I just I felt great. Well, that's pretty good. Now, you said they had that big gauntlet at the end. Was it, I assume it was the same for the Super? Yep, same for the Super and same for the Sprint. So I had, had to do exactly the same thing going through. Now, was that was that kind of near the festival area? Because they're trying to get an idea of what it was like for the spectator experience kind of thing. Cause... Oh, absolutely. So, well, for the layout of this particular land, the festival area is actually on this like, little pond area. So the... People that would like to spectate for that particular area could walk out to the opposite side where the where the regular festival area is because you have this little pond that segregates out the tire flip, the bucket carry, the rolling mud. 
Um, but the festival area did have the most amount of volume of obstacles to keep it interesting for the spectator. So if anybody went to go root somebody on that's racing or wanted to check out a race, uh, the festival area really had a good like grouping of stuff to take a look at. Because honestly, it's, it's cool to see a tire flip and you know to do bucket carries, but honestly, once you see a couple of them, it's like, eh, not that exciting. So I really think like the sandbag carries, the the rope climbs, the twisters, those are the kind of cool things that people really like to see. Oh, yeah, everyone wants to see the rigs. You need the rigs because everyone wants yeah. to see people, they want to see the people fail. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's like a car wreck syndrome, right? People. Yeah, yeah, it's the car wreck. It's, it's NASCAR, right? you got to see the car wreck. That's, yeah, I'm just here for the cautions. It's, I, I, liked, I liked when they do that. I think, I think more of these companies need to be more aware of the spectator experience because it, yeah. when, when it's more, put it for guys like you and myself, when it's more fun for our families to come watch us, it's a lot easier for us to get to the races. You know, yeah. if, if, if it's not fun for the spectators and, and I mean, you know, Joe DeSena wants, wants to make this an Olympic event. If it's not good for spectators, it's not going to be good for the sport. You have to keep it interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and just, and just like the Norams, um, and a few of the other races that we race together, I mean, they really densely put a lot of those obstacles right there. So the ones that had a higher failure rate and those ones that are exciting to see both at a regular spectator or regular racer going through, and the elites are coming through at the beginning of the race. I mean, it's like you said, it's kind of like NASCAR. Everyone wants to see a wreck, but you get to see see all the different types of people doing exactly the same type of obstacle, which is really cool. That's cool. Now, you said you went in the elite for the super. I did. So I did run the elite race in the super, but it wasn't a championship no. um, series event. So. Now, did they have the age group scenario there, or they did, but they switched it back to the way um, Spartan um, standardly does races. So they release their elite men first, elite women second, then they do the age bracket third, and then the open fourth. And they did exactly the same thing this year. Oh, okay. So, so the last Spartan I did up here was just there was the the elite, and then the age bracket, and then the open. So it seemed so they had an extra level in there. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. And then you went, and you went above the age grab and did the elite. All right, that's cool. So how did you do on that one, if you don't mind? How many burpees on that one? Um, the super actually failed three obstacles, so I did 90, unfortunately. So. Okay. <laughs> what what got you again? Same thing? Same thing? Um, the Olympus and the rig at the end, like the last one, and the monkey bar twister monkey bar. And honestly, it's, it's okay. A lot of the elites actually failed that, too, because it just got wet and muddy and it was hard to grab on those bars. Uh, I, like I said, I saw a video of that obstacle, and it looked intense. Actually, it was, I was kind of like, I was thinking to myself, well done, Spartan. That's that's innovative. You're, you're getting it there. That that looked challenging and fun, and I, I believe it was actually Jesse Bruce I saw going through it, and he just yeah. caught the bell with his fingertip. Like, he almost missed it. But <laughs> he, there, was, there was a lot of, of almosts in, in, in this race this weekend. So. <laughs> oh, that's good. So then so then you went on to the, super, uh, to the sprint then to finish it up. And what did what so, you compete in there? So the sprint, I did the age bracket. It was the it was the they don't do elite on the uh, on a trifecta weekend. So I did my age bracket, and now I'm in my forty to to forty nine age bracket as of June this year. Yay! <laughs> so I'm the, I'm the I'm the young buck of the older group. Yep. <laughs> um, and this one this one was a little bit. It was just the same exact beginning, but what they did was they cut out the beast and the super loop. Okay. And then they had exactly the same obstacles at the end of, of all three races for the sprint. So then sprint was a little shorter. They told us it was uh, 
3.6 miles, but I think it ended up being 4.2 in total. Okay. I heard different numbers in there when I ran the, the actual race itself. So, But that's a good reasonable the, sprint distance. Absolutely. It was definitely... As one of those things where you had a lot of a lot of those dense obstacles because you had the festival area dense obstacles you had to complete, and you had a little bit of running in between. So it it wasn't like a like a stadium sprint or something of that nature where a runner would just decimate the race. So they really threw in a lot of those things that are just gonna destroy runners that really don't have as much strength as they, somebody that can lift, but not necessarily run as fast. Now, did they have did they have the tire flip in that one or was that out of there? Nope. Tire flip was in that one, too. Oh, jeez, I would have liked uh, that one. That sounds like my kind of race. I would have been right up my alley. I would have been down <laughs> for that for sure. I wouldn't have done the other two, but that one would have been great. Um, <laughs> so i so I got to ask, um, since you did your age group there, did you manage to get a qualify for, for next year's NORAM or for Worlds? Unfortunately not. Those guys were oh. fast. <laughs> I guess I, I, I've always had respect for the 40-plus group, and, and now I'm in it. I have even more respect because... God, some of those guys just run like a bat out of hell. That's awesome to see. So, <laughs> well, I will. I will tell you this: the age group this year has changed a lot compared to in the past. Um, for example, there was a rate. I did a Spartan sprint up here early, earlier in the year, and I did the same race last year. It was very similar. Last year, uh, I'm in the same age bracket, and last year when they didn't have the whole age bracket thing set up for Spartan, I ended up finishing. I believe it was fifth or sixth. In, in my age division. This year, I was faster. They, they made the course a kilometer longer, and the, the whole extension was another climb of the ski hill. Yeah. And the... So, yeah, they made it a kilometer longer. I was only three minutes s- slower than the year before. So I had improved greatly. And instead of coming fifth or sixth, I came 14th. That's because with them making this age group now, some of the guys at the back of the elite podium at the back of the elite group have decided, yeah. hey, I can podium now if I get into the age group. So it's it's up the competition level in the age group. So even where it was pretty competitive before, it's even more so now because these guys dropped out, figuring they don't have a chance of beating, um, you know, Hobie Call and, and and Ryan Atkins and those guys. But they can come back in age group and get themselves on a podium and maybe keep some sponsors happy or whatever the case may be so now our age group for us old guys has gotten a lot harder than it used to be it's still <laughs> yeah. great fun but they've upped the ante for sure yeah because the reason why i qualified for this past year for norams and worlds was i actually came in third in my age back in hong kong i was 18th overall um but i don't think i could do the same thing with the like you said with the way they're they they broke up the brackets and how they are switching out the races, at least through the Spartan race series. So, but it's a good thing too. I mean, it's exciting for passionate racers like us that if we're challenging ourselves and pushing ourselves as well, we kind of like to have that little bit of challenge saying, okay, well, once I beat my own records, now I'm going to chase after somebody else's. So. All right. So I'm going off the rails here. Hong Kong. What'd you run in Hong Kong? <laughs> I ran a sprint. So I actually raced the first Hong Kong sprint. I think it was uh, two years ago now. So, and they, that was a, that was, it was in like a little farm out in like northwestern part of um, the Hong Kong area. Uh, took a train out there and they had buses and buses out there and it was, it was a fun race, but it was weird because the, uh, the slip wall was actually almost like a sheet metal instead of wood. Oh. So instead of, instead of having good grips with your shoes, I mean, I landed on my knees hard on this flat metal. So, I mean, it was different. 
you definitely tell they, they need to work out some kinks. So just put it that way. <laughs> That's crazy. I didn't even know they did they did any races over there. That'd be amazing. But that what an experience that would be like. How was that race overall? Like, did it would just be some something completely bizarre? How did you even understand the guy saying to go? It was hot, and there was tons of people from so many different countries. I mean, I met people from from Germany, England, U.S. Um, people that lived in Hong Kong, um, Australia. I mean, it was, it was just a, a mash of a bunch of different people. So for people that really like to meet other people, I mean, it was a great social like social event as well. So for just racers, um, I mean, it was it was awesome to be able to uh, experience the culture of OCR. That's amazing. How were the obstacles there? Were they the same ones that you'd have in a Spartan over here? Yeah, they're pretty, they're pretty similar. They didn't throw anything new over there, and I think it's because since it was, a, it was their first race over there, they wanted to make sure that the, the people that went to the race enjoyed the standard obstacles before they started throwing other ones um, at them. Well, that's crazy, man. That's awesome. I, I'm very jealous. I would love to take on something like that. Like For for me, the going to Vegas and going to Vermont, those have been my racecation excursions. I, you know, I would love to hit something like that overseas. I am fingers crossed. Hopefully for next year for Worlds in England, that's on the, on the to do list. We'll see if it actually happens or not, though. That's amazing. Yeah, I, I, I wanted to hit it up this year. I just can't pull up the cash because it's been going all over the place with the other races. So. <laughs> yeah, it ain't a cheap hobby, is it? No. <laughs> so all in all, you finished the finished all three. You got through it all, and you finished yeah. your trifecta. Absolutely. So, what was your overall take from the thing, and and, and just and maybe what, what's your overall view of Spartan, maybe compared to some of the other race view, race uh, organizations? Um, for myself, I'm, I like the Spartan race series. I think they're trying to to add newer obstacles into the mix because the one thing that was lacking in the Spartan race over the past four four to five years I've been running it is that the obstacles didn't really tend to change. Like, they mold the racing around, like, the actual foot race around the obstacles to throw in grip strength when you were going into, like, a heavy mountain climb where you need to require hands to get through the, through the actual trails. And now they're trying to throw in things like twister, uh, log carries with, like, actual chains to them. So they're trying to mix it up some, which is great. Uh, now, for me, I really like the, the Spartan race series because of the longer races. So for me... I challenge myself with more of the elevation end of things. So for like Killington doing the ultra this year, uh, hopefully it doesn't kill me, but I'm doing the ultra this year because of, of how challenging it is. You need a belt buckle, uh, eh? <clears throat> well, I got the ultra, ultra beast last year, but this one's 30 plus miles instead of the 26 we did last year. So, I mean, me, I just like to push myself. Uh, I've done a few of the other smart, a few of the other races. I've done tough mutter before. I really enjoy the community and the Tough Mudder series. So there's a lot of people, and a lot of regular people too, not just the hardcore, want to race, want to want to beat everybody kind of people. I mean, it was just it seemed like it was more community based. You know, you got your OCR people in the Spartan Race series, but in Tough Mudder, you really got like the community of people that just want to go out and have some fun, which I thought was really cool. And I do a couple of local races around here, like Fit Challenge and those types of races as well, and those. Those were really enjoyable because they throw you different ways where you're doing multiple laps. Um, you know, and the last race I really do enjoy is Bone Frog. Uh, Bone Frog is one of those things where, where they throw some some obstacles that the military does at you, and it's one of those series that is actually owned and operated by Navy SEALs, which is cool. I mean, those are the things where you, when you're running these races, 
you're seeing these people on the course, active and retired military, which is which is one of those experiences you don't actually see until you actually go out there and race with these with these guys. And they're all really down to earth guys, even though they're all really, you know, they're badasses. You know. <laughs> I've I've heard a lot of good things about Bonefrog. I have a few. Uh, they actually have one in Buffalo, which for us is only about two hours away. And yeah. I've had some friends go down and do it, and they they rave about the Bonefrog, saying you know much better with the obstacles. We actually are are we're in, which is funny. I I living in the fourth largest market in North America because I live in the Toronto area. Yeah. We we are shafted for good races. We hardly get anything. We get one. We get two Spartans a year and one Tough Mudder, and, and like I said, the Spartans, they don't go whole hog, they don't bring everything, even for the Canadian Championship one, last year we still didn't get Twister, we still didn't get stuff like that, it was, it's a bit of a shame, but next year, very hopeful to get down to a Bone Frog, because um, I really want to check that out, I've heard, aside from yourself, many other people tell me that the obstacles are fantastic, it's well put together, I've heard some crazy complaints, people I've heard complain, and actually on some podcasts I've heard people complain, Oh, they didn't have volunteers stationed here. They didn't have volunteers stationed here. And this and stuff. I hear people complain about a race about the volunteers. It's not the race's fault. It's yeah. our fault. <laughs> it's you know, if you want to complain about the volunteers, step up and be one. Do a little bit because that's what it takes. You know, but oh, absolutely. And yeah. it's, it's one of those things where I mean, when you look at the, the pure nature and the pure design of the course. Um, each area, I'm looking at pure business perspective, how they built it, how they put it to the racers. You know, the, the volunteers do help with that, but it's like I just don't like it when it when I hear people complain about volunteers are actually there doing things. Yeah, and they get pissed off for some reason about volunteers. They're helping us out. They're doing stuff that that in order for us to run the race, they're doing they're serving a purpose. So. Well, I always have respect for those volunteers going out there and helping because they're out there even though the nasty weather longer than we are racing. So yeah, and, and you're out there racing, having a good time, and pushing yourself. They're out there just standing, watching people go through an obstacle. Like you know, yeah. it, it it can be it can be challenging. And I, I'm speaking from a perspective like the volunteers are so necessary for our sport to continue because I'm I'm working on setting up my own race uh, next June and my biggest concern is volunteers i'm gonna need volunteers if that doesn't come through the whole thing could just go to pot it you know it could fall apart but that i guess that's my point if you don't complain about volunteers until you actually are one then all i can say is is i'm I'm gonna thank my volunteer that's on the phone right now for helping me through the the uh, throwing the needle obstacle (laughs) in in noram so (laughs) i think i did that obstacle 20 odd times that day I'm surprised you can still walk because, geez, once I split my legs trying to get thread the needle on that second part of the traverse, it was just, it was an interesting experience. <laughs> well, you know what, I had a great time on that one and then went down to do the Force 5 rig after and that was just as fun. We had a, we had a, me and my boys did a great, had a great day volunteering and I intend to do the same thing next year. I won't run the 15K, I'll be volunteering again. And, well, uh, you back in Stratton Mountain, so. Oh yeah, 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 it's good, I know my way there now. Alright, um, so overall, tell me a high and a low for for the trifecta weekend like what was your what was your high point what was your low point um so for my high point was actually the weather the weather was just absolutely perfect and with the with the way the the terrain was set up they didn't change too much about it from last year and it was it was just easy enough and just difficult enough for just about anybody to be able to get through the race and actually enjoy what they're doing because 
you didn't have to power through it. So that's the one thing where I always say, if you're doing a race and you see that kind of stuff, it's it's awesome. It's great to run. No matter if you're a season pro or if you're right off the couch, want to try your first race, it was definitely one that you could do. Um, the one thing I didn't really enjoy about the race itself is, um, I don't know, to think about that one. I think it's more personal than anything else. I didn't bring enough gear. <laughs> well, you're a bit of a gear guy, aren't you? You usually have the best. I am. You're, you're usually pretty outfitted. Yeah, but, but you know, I, I brought the gloves, but I but I forgot some of my some of my nutrition. So. <laughs> oh, jeez. So, so I had a carb load ahead of time, so racing was a little bit more different than usual. So. <laughs> well, that's good. That's great. No, and and that's awesome, man. I, I'm really glad to uh, to have you on to to, to talk about it because you definitely are. Very descriptive, and I get a real idea of what it was like, and I'm awful glad I didn't go. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll look at my Facebook page. You'll see, you'll see the uh, the map itself, and then just look at the topography of a uh, of an actual map to see the elevation gains. So awesome! Like I, said, I, so, I, I think I think you'd love doing it, my friend. Oh yeah, I'm sure I'd get through it. I'm just you know, I'm, I'm, my plan this year is is very much focused on sprints and short distances. I really want to nail that 3K at Noram next year. And uh, definitely push to, to new limits and also uh, TMX. TMX and Norheim are my big goals for next year. So, um, speaking of that, what's your goals for, for the rest of the year and uh, 2019? What do you got lined up? So, for the rest of the year, um, I'm signed up for the Killington Ultra. That is my, my big bad boy of the longest and most growing race of the entire year. So, that's going to be my, my challenge race. So, this is just like the shale hell that we did with 24 hours. This one's just making it through. That's going to be my, my ultimate goal. Uh, final race is going to be Fenway Park, which is the stadium sprint nice. um, at, in Boston. So what I'm going to do is I'm, I did five loops one year. Uh, my goal is to do seven this year in one day. So. Well, that's cool. I didn't I didn't actually realize they had like an endurance multi-loop version of that. I always thought that was just a straight they, they sprint one lap. So this, is more, this is more personal. You actually have to re-register every single time you do a loop. So when you're done, you go back down, you pay your $15 registration fee because I paid for the season pass, and you go back on the course. So That's awesome. That sounds like a lot of yeah. fun. I, I am very interested in doing a stadium series sometime. Um, I'm not I'm not a mud guy, even though we're mud brothers. <laughs> I like to stay clean <laughs> as possible. Uh, I just find I'm more into the athleticism than the, than the get dirty and the torture. One yeah, thing... you'll, you'll like the stadium the series because for one thing, no mud. For another thing, it's going to be more more technically um, involved obstacles so you'll have have like um, the hercoise rope climbs those types of things um, you have to do a certain number of push-ups i mean there's a lot more different types of things in the stadium and, and it can be fast running too but the front thing is too if you pick the right stadium you can go out to whatever city they're located at too and just enjoy yourself in the morning or in the evening with your family and friends afterwards so you can make a like a vacation too instead of being out in the middle of nowhere <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. I learned that when I was out in Vegas and did World's Toughest and running for 24 hours, it was hard to get up the next morning and, oh, let's go see the Grand Canyon. <laughs> so, but I did it. I did it. But it was uh, it definitely was a, a bit rough on the legs. That's for sure. Absolutely. Speaking of that, I just got one more question for you, Tom. So the way you were going on, the way you're talking, what would you ever think of to hit in Iceland? Um, Iceland? Yeah, for the 24-hour uh, Spartan there. I was thinking about it. My buddy uh, Tony Martinez did it last year. I think he signed up for this year. And this year I'm not going to be doing it, but it will be a goal for next year. Because um, it's one of those things where, for one thing, I've always wanted to go there. Who so hasn't? For me, yeah. Being a destination place, I would love to go there. And then the race, 
24 hours, I mean, that that should be cool. So I think that's one thing. That, that will be a bucket list item, let's just put it that way. Yeah, I, 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 you know what, I'm, I'm the same. Even though it's a bit long and Spartan's not my favorite, but the fact it's in Iceland is, is a huge draw. You're absolutely right. And, you know, we'll see if I can swallow my bitter pill about Spartan and get out there and try it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'll, I'll tell you if I'm out there and I'll drag you over there. <laughs> awesome, man. All right, well, Tom, I just want to say thanks for, for filling in and helping us out here and, and giving us a great review of the trifecta and everything else, man. It's been awesome. And for everybody out there, Take care, have a good week, and hopefully we'll talk to you next week. All right.